I don't need a dinner party from hell to look like a snack. I love sports, but I don't play games. (laughs) (laughs) So good. (laughs) So is yours. Can I tell you that having done, I do a new tagline every episode. Today is episode like around 483-ish. We're in the 480s. So at this point, you get a hello and a how are you and just consider yourself fortunate to all the AGs listening, I have to say. You, that is a talent and you know you need to like put this all together and people need to read it. Like a book of taglines. Like I would read that and I would use it in my everyday life. I would apply it in my everyday life. You should do this. Actually, you should cut this part out of the podcast so no one takes the idea. (laughs) Or I should keep it in and say to any AGs listening, if you want to pretend to be a Sonia Tremont Morgan-esque intern and put together a book on my behalf, I wouldn't turn it down necessarily. I would be here for it. Get to it. Well, listen, we need to get to this conversation. It's one I have been looking forward to for so long. You guys, it's Andy's Girls, and I'm so excited to be welcomed by media personality, author, attorney, co-host of the Higher Learning Podcast, and morally corrupt, (laughs) which feels so thematically perfect it's for today's perfect. conversation. It's perfect. <laughs> she also made history as the first Black lead in the franchise's history on the 13th season of ABC's The Bachelorette. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Rachel Lindsay. Rachel, how are we? First off, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm really good. I cannot complain. In full disclosure, I had my first um class of Barry's boot camp for the first time in years like years so it's like I started over and mentally I am here physically I'm still on that floor at Barry's so what what happened during our kind of intermission were we just saying you know Barry I'm gonna put you on pause or I'm gonna demote you to a friend of um we didn't do either one of those like we kicked we we didn't put we didn't put Barry's on pause. We just like kicked we we basically Dallas him. Real Housewives of Dallas. He was he just like never coming back. <laughs> never to be seen, heard from again. That's what we did. And then for some reason, I don't know. Or so maybe I should say Miami because he came back into my life. He came back into my life. I'm I you know, it's a love-hate relationship, but we're back. We're back. Well, much like Miami, I am so excited for this reboot in all of the ways. Um, I have to tell you, uh, first off, I've been to every year of BravoCon. So this was year three. Okay. And I was so honestly enamored with your performance as moderator. I believe it was three panels this year. Am I right? Uh, Yes, it was three. And thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Listen, my pleasure. I really have wanted to have you on the pod for a while because I think the ways that you communicate your interest in Housewives and the ability to kind of like thread that connection through the lens of empathy, I think is incredible. I genuinely, genuinely do. There's something to be said for 
finding value in these conversations. And I know that you get that. And your ability to like lead the conversation is to me extremely impressive. So I just wanted to put that out there that I'm so thankful that you're joining uh, tonight's app. Well, thank you so much. That's so nice. I really appreciate that. It's really, even though I'm a, I'm a fan, so I get very nervous to moderate these panels because I know what it's like to be a fan and watching it. And I want to do so well, not just because I'm trying to impress anybody else. I'm really trying to impress the fans because I am one of you. So you never know how you do. So I really appreciate you saying that. So thank you. What did you think was most surprising about your interactions and like the performance of paneling, which is, as you said, it's like an endeavor for the audience members. But of course, you want the so you want that to be interesting. You want it to be dynamic. But also you might have a feeling of protection for the folks that you have on stage with you. Yeah. I mean, well, I will tell you that there's a lot of prep that goes on behind the scenes as far as working with Bravo, because they do want to protect the women on stage, but they also want to protect the storylines and the seasons. And I feel like I've been to two out of three Bravo cons, and I felt like last year so much tea was spilled. I felt like it was like, where is PR? They were telling what was going to happen on seasons. <laughs> they were, you know, like you could tell where the lines were drawn. And so it seems like this year, and I only moderated one panel, but this year it seems as if they pulled back, like only go here and you don't need to go any further to push it or to kind of stir the pot because the audience will do that. And I will say, as a fan, to me, that's the most exciting thing is that they allow the audience to come up to the microphone and say whatever they want to say. And I mean, sometimes it goes too far. But for the most part, the audience is really smart and asks great questions. And you can tell by the response where everybody's like cheering or there's a ooh or, you know, so I, I, I do feel that there is a like from everybody behind the scenes and even myself as a moderator to protect those on stage because I need to be the like ease them into these audience questions that are about to come hard and heavy. Great points. And, you know, there is definitely that crossing of the line. I think that there are some attendees who feel like the honestly very high price of admission comes with it, the ability to play <laughs> the role of housewife and Bravo Lab. So people think this is my opportunity, yeah. maybe as a stand on behalf of someone else to be a little... Um, on the offense, shall we say, mm -hmm. versus others who are really who have genuine points of discussion and conversation that can really help a panel and help a moment and bring a little bit more heart. Yeah, no, it's it's really true. Um, and uh, you brought up a good point because it is very expensive to go to BravoCon, and so that's I guess I enjoy seeing people enjoy themselves and whether that's at a Q&A microphone, whether that's chasing down a Bravo celebrity as they walk through the Bravo Bazaar or are in one of the VIP sections. Like I all, I feel like everything is fair game. And and mainly too because they for the most part are these are these the same fans writing terrible things on X formerly known as Twitter? Yes. But in person, they are praising these Bravo celebrities. They are making you feel loved. They're giving you attention. And so I do feel like there is this freedom that should be there where they can ask you anything. It's about the access. And like this is Disneyland for 
Bravo fans. And so let them play how they want to, you know? <laughs> you only get to ride the ride once. <laughs> Do you have... um? a memory of when your connection to Bravo began? Do you remember when that moment was? It might be when you first started watching Housewives, for example, or maybe another show. It could be that moment or just the moment that you were like, oh my God, I'm hooked. This is it. See, I don't know who got me into Bravo. I don't know why I said, ah, I want to turn on to Bravo because I did not watch the first two seasons, maybe three of OC. Because they have, it was, it wasn't them. I went back and watched because whatever came next, I can never remember. It was either Atlanta or, or Jersey. And that's when I started. And I don't know what I saw preview, what kind of cross promotion, because I don't know what was on Bravo before. I was mm. out of college. I was in law school, I believe. And so I was looking for an escape. And so somehow, maybe a law student told me, but it was either Jersey or Atlanta, whichever came first that I started watching. And then I heard that there was OC, like OC was coming back and it's like, oh, it's it was the first one. So I was like, oh, then I need to go back and figure out a way to rewatch these other two seasons. And it was a while before I was actually able to do that. And then I got to the point where I couldn't miss a season. So now I watch them all. And do you typically watch live? Or are you like a day after kind of viewer? Are you like an in it to win it? I'm a day after. I just I like don't know what shows other than sports and the news, even the news shows that I watch, I tape. So I just don't really watch things in real time. I've definitely I'm not even, but I'm not a day after. I'm like an hour later or 30 minutes later. So I'm watching the same night. I just like give it a 30 minute buffer so I can move past the commercials and then go in to watch what happens live. I mean, I have to say I'm a completionist accepting that one monstrous season of Orange County where I was like, there's nothing positive that will come out of this for anyone. So I'm just going to fucking skip it and call it a day. Really? But I'm one of those people. I. Yeah, but I get nervous when I'm watching live. For some reason, I need to do like day after in the office where I record, you know, cup of cinnamon spice tea, sit down Sounds at lovely. the desk, take a deep breath, say a prayer, and then kind of dive in. I can't, I don't, I'm not um, natural to watching live okay. Housewives. That sounds There's something about it. It's too spicy. It's not that it's too spicy for me, but like I get upset that like on cliffhangers. So I'm like, oh, I gotta wait for a commercial. Like I want to just like go into it like it's a movie. And I love that you set a mood. I too like to set a mood. I like to make sure that I'm done with everything. So sometimes it does take me into the next day. Like if I can't watch Housewives the way that I want to, I'm not trying to watch it on the go. I'm not trying to watch it while I'm getting ready for something. I It is relaxing for me, okay? I want, if I had kids, it would be like, put the kids to bed, turn the lights down, let the world go to sleep because it needs to be me and these housewives. I like to curl up with a blanket. I like a glass of wine. I don't always drink, but I'll have a glass of wine. If I watch it in the morning the next day, it's a warm cup of coffee. And I just like to just immerse myself in the world. That's the, it, it's a full, like it has to be an experience. Otherwise you're just not doing it right. 
100% totally agree. And and I have a question for you, which I is one of my favorites to ask. And it is the question of not necessarily who is your favorite housewife, although the answers might be the same, they might not. But who is your spiritual, who is your spiritual housewife? Who is the housewife who you might connect with because you see yourself in them? Or who is the housewife you might connect with because they're too close to how you or other people view you? And so as a result, there's this corollary that isn't necessarily one you necessarily, you know, love. Who would your pick be? You can define it however you'd like for your spiritual H-dubs. I know you see my face like my eyes are like bucking. I've just because I've never been asked this question before and I've never even thought about it. I don't know if there is one housewife that I just see myself in. I guess I look at them more of like there's a favorite or I'd love to hang out with this housewife. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I think, yeah, like I could we would get along. But one housewife that. No, no, it's Garcelle, because I do say more so when she started than now, because like now that she's been on longer, it's like you start, you're like, oh, okay, I don't know if I would do that. But when she first came on, I called her the people's housewife. That's what I like. I felt like she was normal, but yet she still fit in the housewife world, because you know how you get those housewives where it's like, why are you here? You're too normal because you have to be a star you have to the x factor to be you have to check off most of the things that would be on the list to be a quintessential housewife and as normal as garcelle is she still fits in so garcelle is who i would say i see myself the most in yes i love that answer and i I'm so overwhelmed with affection for Garcelle. I ended up monologuing on The Last Andy's Girls, and it was like the tail end of an episode. And I just felt like spiritually, I just needed to say out loud, I said, I'm sorry, like this is sort of unrelated to what we're discussing, but I just need to say that Garcelle is incredible. And what she has given us is amazing. What she has had to endure and sacrifice as a result of being on Housewives is unlike what any anyone else has had to suffer through. She deserves our respect. To me, she deserves our trust. I mean, it's a it's a great, great, great answer. And it's also, delightfully so, a great connection to this week of Beverly Hills, which brought us at least the beginning of the third ever dinner party from hell, which I have watched now three times <laughs> in the last 24 hours. I I did watch it live because you make an exception for dinner parties from hell. And I, I have to it. say, I just watched it a third time. It's like putting, you know, chum in the water for a shark. I feel ready to attack it in every possible way. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to hear, though, your reaction. Do you feel like it lived up to the hype of a dinner party from hell? And what has your experience been watching Beverly Hills so far this season? Well, I am thoroughly enjoying Beverly Hills this season. I'll start there because I'm a little surprised. From what we got when we saw the, the trailer for Beverly Hills previewing the season, it was all about Kyle and the fact that she and Mauricio are separating 
maybe divorcing, not sure. It's back and forth there. But um, we knew that they were separating. And we also knew that that announcement came after they had wrapped. But we knew the cameras came back up for reaction. So I was like, oh my gosh, we must not be getting anything this season because it's all going to be about they're just showing us the reaction to the news. So I had super low expectations. I thought there would be no storylines. They fooled us. There's so much that they're giving this season. I mean, Lisa Rinna, who? For all those who were worried <laughs> about the Lisa Rinna no longer being with us, it's like, I feel like she's been gone for five seasons for what these episodes have given us. Truly, we have not missed a beat. She has to be just like fuming at home, knowing nobody's talking about her. Nothing's being leaked to the press. You know, it's just we are watching like a an old school Beverly Hills season. So I've really enjoyed it. Other most people have storylines except for Dorit. Um, which, you know, I didn't I thought Dorit should have been a friend of this coming season. I think I might have even said that last season. There's just I don't have anything against Dorit. She's just not giving us anything, but everybody else is. And there are all these crossover storylines. You've got Sutton, who's choosing violence every single episode. She's going to have a rough time at the reunion because she is full on shady. She is in her like villain, like the arc of her villain, like I don't I can't even phrase it right. I'm not saying this right, but she's just like in her moment. She's villainous and it will all come to a head at the reunion as people are watching the show back. But Sutton versus everybody except Garcelle. Then you have Erica, you know, vowing to not um, argue with the women for Lent, which I love. So she's still shady. People think, okay, she's going to be chill. No, she's still shady. But she is not yelling and losing her temper, which I enjoy. You have Kyle, who's being very vulnerable and can't hide what's going on with her situation, even though Mo is pretending to act like everything's okay and pretending to be confused, where it's like, Kyle's like, what are you doing? We're not okay. I'm appreciating the vulnerability of Kyle. Um, I... Who else do we have? Garcelle, her storyline with her son. Like, there's just so much. And Garcelle's being a little shady, too. Um, as we see her assist, take the assist from Sutton in this and shoot the three as she goes after Kyle at the dinner table. Um, everybody is just really doing their thing. And now that leads us up to the dinner table of the greats where we have Denise. This is, this is, my, this is my favorite. Um, if I, this could be a housewife. Even Justin, my dear Justin, if Justin could be a, a friend of this whole table, I want to be the cast of the Housewives. I do. I'm pluck out a few, but I, this is what I want. <laughs> so having Denise there and having Camille there and even Cynthia Bailey, there's not even time to acknowledge Cynthia Bailey because so much is going on. Faye Resnick's there, who's like quietly stirs the pot all the time because she only sees things one way and that's Kyle's way. So it's just like, it's just so interesting. Such an only thing missing is Kathy Hilton. That's the only thing. And Kim, because I love when Kim's there, too. That's the only thing that's missing is the rest, the completion, the trilogy of the of the Hilton sisters. That's that's what I said. Hilton sisters. That's not, not even their name, but that's what we're going to call that's them. Fine. No, we got it. We got it. We got it. We're eating I'm it up. I'm just we're eating it up. Who are we kidding? so 
overjoyed at what Beverly Hills is giving us because I thought it was going to be a shitty season. I mean, listen, end episode. What is there to say? <laughs> Except actually, <laughs> I've got a couple of Safe space, genuinely. I mean, trigger warning to everybody. We're about to talk about Kyle. What is your take on Kyle? What is your opinion on Kyle? Kyle, like 100%. How do we feel about her? Because I think she is a housewife who typically garners very strong reactions. Yeah. I always, I usually go back and forth with Kyle uh, because I, like most people, feel like she's always producing and she's been on it for such a long time. She knows what she's doing um, and she produces other people in different scenarios. So I always feel like we're not getting the truth with Kyle, but I feel like this season we are. She, you see her trying to choose her words when she's talking to Dorit about what's going on in her relationship or... Even at and like even the way she explodes at the dinner table of like, well, if I do do it, it's it's going to put me in a state of depression, you know, bringing Morgan Wade on, you know, the just for a moment. I just found out Morgan Mm. is 28. What? Yes. 28, 28 American years, American years, American years. 28. No, there's no variation of this. This isn't like size 28 in the U.S. and something different in UK. She's 28. (laughs) I Googled it while I was watching the episode. Kyle's 54. So it just adds to, as we got the introduction on the show to Morgan Wade, I had more questions than answers. And even though I have more questions than answers back to Kyle, I appreciate you not hiding Morgan because she is such a big part of your life and giving us Morgan and flirting with Morgan or because like you you have to acknowledge it because the next scene she's with Mo and it's a it's totally different. She enjoys Morgan's company. They're playful with one another. There really is a bond there, whatever it may be. We don't know. We'll take her for her word. They're friends. But there's clearly a connection and there's a bond. So I appreciate her giving us that. I appreciate this season that she's like, I'm going to be me. And I don't care what you have to say. So this season, I like Kyle. I do. And the Mauricio of it all, I mean, the editors, this episode from talking about Sutton's drinking straight into Sutton and Garcelle going to drinks. And then <laughs> just the scene. I mean, for and then the scene transition. With Kyle and Morgan to Kyle and Mauricio, Mauricio at this point has to make cloying jokes about whether or not he's going to see the tattoo his wife just got on her body. And we know, as Kyle does literally in that moment, that the percentage is not terribly high on that happening. Just the energies that are so specific mm-hmm. to Kyle and Morgan and Kyle and Mo. As you said earlier, I really did not have the expectation that it would that the season would be this revealing this soon. And I remember when the season trailer came out and there being a shot of Morgan and it being another person who we now know is the tattoo artist asking her, you know, how do you guys know each other? I thought that was from the episode pickup after the separation had been announced. Right. I did not realize that Morgan was going to be introduced during the season and certainly going to be introduced this early. And the energy between them, 
is undeniable, as is the influence. It feels like Morgan has an incredible influence on Kyle's life, which is a fascinating next chapter for Kyle. Like, if Kyle changes her name to Morgan, it would make sense. I mean, she's talks about how she's done all this lifestyle change, she's changing this way, and then you bring Morgan on, and it's like, no, you've just copied Morgan's entire life. I swear to you, in 2024, there will be an announcement that Kyle's taking voice lessons. And she, too, will have some type of album that will be dropping in 2025. There's just, it's like, Morgan's sober, I'm sober. Morgan's really fit and loves to work out. She's like, see, they gave me such a hard time, but like, we have that in common. No, you got started doing that when you met Morgan. (laughs) You got into that. So it's just, I'm shocked that they revealed that, that they should, like, that Kyle said all of that in that way where the audience would realize, uh, no, you just, you just, you basically single white femaled her. Did she not? And I, I mean, here's the, here's the difficulty with, with Kyle's new beginning is that she's making choices that feel healthy and appropriate for where she is in her life. And that is something I think should be commended. She's really taking a hard fucking look at her life, who she wants to be a present part of it, who she wants to be present for. And that combined with changes to her literal lifestyle meaning like not working out every day, although that's obviously an important part of her own self-care, but like how she wants to style her life. That is to me impressive. I don't want to take away from Kyle's like ability to own that. Like I don't want to take away from Kyle making the decision to do this, but I do want to say that she makes a point in press on the show of talking about her sort of search for her own independence. And it is to me illustrative of the fact that some of the qualities that she sees in independence, that she sees in taking ownership of her life are very, very similar to choices that Morgan has already made and established. Like there seems to be a connection, which isn't to say it's not a good thing, but it is to me I I just have like, it's just a question I have because Kyle has talked about the fact that she identified as a wife, she identified as a mother, she identified as a sister, she identified as a friend, and now she wants to identify and define herself. I am in full support of it. It's just interesting that the ways she seems to be identifying and defining are very similar to Morgan. Yeah. I, is that just something that will naturally happen? No. Or what do you think? No, because it is interesting that she talks about like finding her own and being independent, but she's finding her own within somebody else is what was seemed to be revealed this episode. Before it was like, yeah, she is. And 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 in great points that you're pointing out, all the changes that she's making are very positive. Because one issue that I do have with the women this season, and Kyle acknowledges it this episode, is that the women give her a hard time because she's sober. I just think that that's so unfair. I just can't imagine me giving my friend a hard time because she won't drink with me, especially close friends who know that you're going through something. I also like the fact that she's making decisions sober. 
Like she's making decisions about her future and her family in a sober state of mind. That's very, very healthy. She's very clear headed in what she's doing. But it doesn't seem to be as independent as she portrayed because it seems that, you know, she met somebody else and she likes the positive things that they're doing in their lifestyle. So now she's doing them as well. Or she connected with them through their lyrics and is kind of embracing that attitude, that persona, that lifestyle. But I will also say, in defense of Mo, if I can, I don't like the fact that Mo is pretending like they have no issues. Like, oh, I hope I get to see that tattoo later. Mo, you know y'all haven't had sex in months. Like, stop. You know that there's there's tension in your relationship. But imagine if you're the significant other of someone and y'all have been together for over two decades and all of a sudden you make these hard shifts. No drinking, working out, and then you bring this new stranger into our lives and it emulates and all the changes that you're making you're making are emulating her life and you're spending all your time with her. If I'm your significant other, I'm like, what is this? What's going on? Like that's, that would cause, that would be an issue in our marriage as well. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. <laughs> Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. 
I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. 
It is an excellent point, but one that I wonder when it comes to like the hard shift, I'm sure it's difficult for Mo. I think probably many things might be difficult for Mo when it comes to these kinds of like interpersonal relationships, even putting aside everything with Kyle, because he just like he appears to be this happy go lucky guy. Meanwhile, he's like killing the game in real estate. So we know that there are other sides of him, but we've only really sort of seen one specific side since he got dragged to hell for barking at Brandy. Then he seemed to be pulling back and being like, okay, as a result of that, and maybe as a result of this is who I am, I'm I'm just going to kind of show the, the jolly side. But I wonder, like with the hard shift of it all, how much of this was a hard shift? It just seemed out of nowhere that and it, it many things can be true by the way but how much of this could be it just kind of happened out of nowhere it seemed like Kyle just started exercising she was making other changes in her life it seemed like control for her meant something different than it did before how much of that is representative of the shock of this from the perspective of her spouse versus an enormous trauma happened in Kyle's life, the death of her best friend who died by suicide oh, I forgot about which that. had yeah. it, an absolute enormous foundation rupturing uh, moment in Kyle's life, plus, which brings with it potential trauma and grief, not to define what that experience meant for her, what that loss meant for her, but she's she's talked about it openly. And also just the continued evolution and disconcerting nature of her relationship with Kathy, which fell the fuck apart at the end of last season and other things that we might not know, how much of Kyle's changes came as like a result of reevaluating her life and not seeing Mauricio be there for her? Mm. Like, was he emotionally supporting her in the way that she needed or was she finding that support within herself, which you can do regardless, but also saying like, this man who I was married to for forever is not giving me what I need at this point in my life. So I'm going to find it in other things. I, or people. And I, yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I definitely think it's that. I, I, we know that Mauricio is totally focused on the agency. And adding a show to it as well, which we know Buying Beverly Hills has a second season, I can't even imagine. And they're expanding this agency worldwide. He's so busy. They don't have time together. And I think maybe when they were starting, Kyle would travel with him. She doesn't want to do that anymore. And that is definitely her right. Um, And like, yeah, I just I, I definitely agree with you. I think that's so well said. And it gets into this weird kind of area for for Kyle and talking about Kyle because it feels like Morgan has become a genuine pillar of support and an important part of her life. And it is now going to seemingly um, push forward a conversation that maybe fans have had in advance of these episodes airing, that it feels like members of the cast are walking around, which of course they are, because they're still not necessarily sure of what the fuck is going on with Kyle and Mo. Mm-hmm. But to me, it says something that like Dorit doesn't know. Right. Like Dorit and Kyle, who seem to be really close friends, IRL, going on couple vacations, going out a lot, traveling all over the place, that Dorit isn't being let in. And and to me, that's kind of like a window into not necessarily what 
Mauricio is dealing with because I just I feel fairly confident that he's responsible for some some area. I, I do. I do, too. Stuff is coming from, but <laughs> I do, too. Right. But yeah. But also with Dorit, I'm just kind of thinking, like, who is Kyle letting in? And are we going to be able to explore that? Like, is Dorit going to be talking about the fact that she's not being let in on Kyle's confidences? Because right now it's solely based on Sutton doesn't know what's going on. And then the rest of the cast is reacting to Sutton and judging, criticizing or supporting the ways that Sutton is like something is different and changing here. Mm -hmm. And you need to tell us what it is versus Dorit, who seems to be like supporting Kyle, but doesn't seem to be aware of what's going on with Kyle. Yeah, I think it's I, I agree with Faye because Faye's kind of like I can't remember exactly what she says, but it ends with her comments of like, why are you asking this kind of why is it your business? Why do you care? Why are you bringing it up in this way? And you just see Kyle kind of explode to to the all the questioning that's coming at her. And Faye's right. Like if you there is a okay, as a fan, yes, we want you to ask all these questions at the table. Like it should be on the menu right right before the salad, okay? Like we we need to under, we need you to ask all of these questions. But in real life, which is where Faye comes in, it's like if you're really her friend and if you're truly concerned, you will ask these questions beforehand. You will try you will you will say, "Hey, you're making some huge life changes. Is everything okay?" And they're not because they don't have that type of friendship outside of it. I mean, even well, mm. to be honest, even Dorit who does seems to have saved it for the camera. She's asking these questions on camera. Mm. Mm. And Kyle doesn't seem thrilled with that. No, she doesn't seem thrilled. And Dorit keeps talking about it. Like, there have been, like, there was the car, there was Vegas. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, here we are. I can't, I, 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 so you asked me a question about the dinner party and, like, something, like, about if I thought it was great or something like that. The the original dinner party was all one episode, right? This one is a t to be continued. So it's also like I'm also like, what's I needed this all to be one episode because even though I love that we're getting more next week and this was a great episode, it's hard to say like it's like dinner party part two. It's like give it to us all at once because we know that the THC hasn't even settled in yet. You know, like, <laughs> for the three people who got I know, it, right? I mean, everybody saying zero. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is this is a nothing burger. But also, you know, but you have the right to say. But zero. they are drinking, like zero. but they are drinking. So we'll give but them they are that. Drinking. <laughs> they, they are drinking. And, you know, Kyle seems to be really fucking pissed about Sutton meandering along the question of like, are you going to tell us what is going on? So in that moment, as with many moments throughout the course of this episode, I was just so fucking thankful for Garcelle being like, here's what she's asking. Let's skip to the end. And because we're getting people in the audience essentially saying, you're not being direct about what it is that you want to know. Kyle 
obviously understands what Sutton is talking about. Right. At this point, social media, <laughs> tabloids, everyone is discussing that like something's going on with Kyle and Mo. But the way that Sutton positioned it about being focused on a ring was maybe not the best way to communicate this because we're talking about like who bought the ring versus why are you wearing it instead of your wedding band? And speaking of what the fuck is going on in your relationship? No, absolutely. Yes, but I, Garcelle didn't say it as beautifully as you did at the top because the way Garcelle said it, it made it feel like I agree with Sutton and this is what we think as opposed to this is what Sutton's trying to say. Like, let me help Sutton out. And I wish she would have said it that way because even when I watched it, I was like, damn, Garcelle, you just put yourself in the middle of it too. And I hate that. Like, I hate that she's always having to help Sutton out. Just let Sutton put herself out there and everybody else deal with it. But I do understand because, like, to talk about Sutton and Kyle back and forth at the table, you have to talk about that conversation before. And in that moment... The conversation that Sutton and Kyle had, not the name them, but where they were sitting there and she was talking about how she was, Sutton was trying to explain why she seems off, why she's kind of been all over the place. And whether Kyle agreed with it or not, the fact that she couldn't understand, like all she was like, oh, so you're getting more money. The fact that you couldn't understand that Sutton just said to you, Legal matters with her husband trigger her because he's more powerful than she is, and he fights in a different way. And whether or not she'll get custody of her son and she gets to stay here, which it seems like that's what's going to happen, it still is bringing back the trauma of fighting in court with her husband. And Kyle just couldn't acknowledge that. And so because she couldn't acknowledge it and because she just refused to see it, I think Sutton was like, oh, two can play that game. So I'm going to go back into this dinner table. I truly feel like if they had hugged and made up, we never would have had that conversation at the dinner table. Absolutely. I think that a conversation would have happened, but it wouldn't have happened in that context because Sutton obviously felt so diminished and so minimized. And Kyle was giving her nothing. She was like dead on, yeah. cold, making jokes about what it was. Kyle had an idea in her head of what Sutton was communicating to her and why. And she had already decided it was ridiculous. She was already comparing it to like, is this like when you got really upset when your designer canceled? Like she's already equating an acrimonious divorce and this man with gobs of money and power deciding his ex-wife would move yeah. to Europe because that's where he was going. Like to make that into a, oh, you only care about an increase in child support. Isn't your life terrible? That was so obviously not respectful. And yet it feels like the narrative, and I'm saying this like attempting not to criticize it, but it feels like the narrative that Kyle is presenting, which Dorit and Erica, obviously Faye, co-sign 
and and new housewife cos which is how i think of her new housewife mm -hmm. how they are seem to be like representing this is the difference between privacy and respect some people feel like Kyle has the right to be private and she and her privacy should be respected regardless of whether or not that's the case and there are other people who feel like me asking about your marriage is not me disrespecting you. It's me being a quote unquote member of your friend circle and also doing my job. But the way that Kyle, as a housewife, as a friend, as a human person, certainly as a spiritual producer is presenting it is this is a binary. If you are asking me about my marriage, you better do so respectfully. But also you asking me about my marriage is a sign of disrespect. Yeah, absolutely. But I can we give new housewife Anne-Marie credit? Because she said something that I think every housewife needs to take to heart. She said, you guys, when you're friends, you should be able to say anything. You can say whatever. And like you just and it should be I, I don't remember how she ended it, but it was kind of like and like you get it out there and you move on. And I'm like, that's the mentality we need. You're right. You're all friends. Say whatever. Don't hold back. Just go. Now, we know that that is never going to be the case, but I was like, and that's the spirit, <laughs> Anne-Marie. You're right. Feel free to say whatever you want. We're all friends. It'll just roll off our back. That's the housewife spirit. I loved it. I was like, oh, I she's a no. absolutely agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it also gets to like some of the uh, consideration here, which is like a little sharp, the idea that um, LOL, many of these women can't say what they're thinking to each other because either they are thinking ahead to how that will be received in several months with editing or how that will be received in their production alliance, but also the fact that maybe they don't trust each other enough or care in that way to be able to share honestly and not feel immediately, immediately defensive. Yeah, that's actually very true. That's why I always wonder, like, people always ask, would you do Housewives? And I immediately say no. And the main reason is because I'm a fan. Like, what am I going to come on there? Like, I can tell you what you did in season three, episode eight. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> you know? I like to think I'm cool. And that's not cool if I come in there talking about that. You know? So, like, I'll have an idea of who you are. And I really don't because I only know you on camera. But I, But also my fear is just what you said. I don't know if I could think about how it would be received or how it would be edited or if they'll do a flashback or whatever it may be. I think I would just say things or I would just, which is how I feel Anne-Marie is going to be. And I feel like I would just be like, well, I'm authentic and this is me and I'm just going to be me. And sometimes you got to play the game. So I, yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be me. How do you feel that authenticity is valued on Housewives? It seems to be different for people in the cast versus members of the audience. Well, I think we all want to believe that everything that we're watching is authentic. Um, authentic oh, my gosh, I can't say it. Authentic. You got it. You got it. Authentic. It's the Paris. <laughs> we want everybody. We want to believe that everything is authentic that we're watching. And sometimes we lie to ourselves that it is. I, In my mind, I say everything I'm watching is real. It's not edited. It's not produced. These are real situations. This is real. We are watching these women's lives. Um, but if I'm honest, I think that there's going to be a growing desire for more people to be authentic, particularly with introducing new housewives, 
because as I'm seeing, not necessarily with Anne Marie, we haven't really, and she's a friend, and I, she didn't watch the show like that before. I actually know that, but I think that, but I think in general, people are familiar with like the the bigger storylines, right? Like even Garcelle alludes to that in this episode. She's like, I didn't watch it, but like I know about the dinner party. You know, it's there's just such big moments in Bravo history. I think that as we're moving forward, we are seeing people come on that are fans. And it takes away from the authenticity of the show. And so I think that there is going to be this desire from the audience calling for change or calling for like the old days to bring that old thing back, like Atlanta, right? The people that you're bringing on either aren't bringing it or are trying too hard as if they're doing what they think a housewife should do. And you even saw that on some early, like some a couple of seasons back with Atlanta. That's happening right now, I believe, in Potomac with NECA. You know, like you're you're trying, you're a fan. And when you bring a fan on, it's not authentic. Um, authentic. <laughs> so I think that it is very important for the audience to at least believe that for the most part, right? Like 75% or more, we need to feel like we're watching authentic people tell authentic stories. Yeah. And, you know, the show is about, quote unquote, friendship, but it's really to me about conflict resolution. So ideally, when it comes to like the stakes of these storylines, we want to feel like some of these people want to resolve these conflicts with each other, because if you don't, then what are we doing here? What does this friend circle represent? There's there's always going to be people who don't want to fuck with each other. But if nobody wants to fuck with each other or the vast majority are unable to film with each other because the distaste is so strong, I don't know how you move forward from that. And the authenticity is like so connected to not wanting to be there with that person that it doesn't provide space for other storylines to grow and heaven forbid flourish. Exactly. Like, I couldn't agree more. And so it'll be, which is why I think we're getting stuff like Ultimate Girls Trip. You're bringing back the older people. It's like seven to eight days of filming. And like, they know how to play the game. (laughs) They know what they're doing. And they're, they're authentically being themselves in on a vacation. It's different. So it'll be interesting to see how Bravo and the, the, they address going into the next stage of housewives and how they're having mm-hmm. trying to like i think we, what we have now with the beverly hills cast is great i think bringing in maybe some of these people at the dinner party as friend ofs friends of and um or like bringing them on for a couple of more episodes is fantastic maybe that's the recipe that we need to see when you have a good cast maybe you sprinkle in some of the fan favorites um, every now and then just to keep things spicy. But I think that's going to be the struggle for them moving forward about holding on to what's authentic. I mean, look at the beginnings of OC. It's very authentic. Mm. And now OC is like a rotating cast. I was just at an event with Tamara and she was recruiting people from the stage to try to be new housewives for OC. She's like, we're recasting. Uh-oh. Do you want to be a housewife? They tried to sprinkle in Taylor, and that ended 
as quickly as it started. I know, which is so shocking. And now, allegedly, word on the street is Alexis Bellino was offered a contract. Bring her back. <laughs> Bring her back. She's Jesus Jugs, right? She is. <laughs> Jesus Chugs. There's a situation with her twins in the stroller. Yes, Jesus Chugs is Bring coming back. her back, especially with the drama of her being linked to Shannon's ex. Bring her back. I am so for that. I don't even know if she would have any friends on the cast. Like, who is she friends with? I mean, Emily and Gina will take anybody in, but I think <laughs> that that'll be who she's with. <laughs> Emily just gave an interview where she's like, I'd like Alexis to come back. I think it would be really great television. She's like, I want to watch Alexis and Shannon interact. And I just, and you know like, what? I lost my shit. It's so funny. And Emily's a smart one because that solidified her she role is. because she's basically saying, I will be her friend. She's solidifying her place on that cast. You need to keep me because I will facilitate the Alexis drama. That's a smart move. Smart move, Emily. Smart move. Because she's going to have to step up her storyline. Very smart move. Can I ask you, just circling back, just just one, one sec, yeah. one smidge. So you are friends with Anne-Marie? Anne-Marie slash Anne-Marie? Mm-hmm. Anne-Marie, yeah. Anne-Marie? I, and you know what? In real life, people call her, in real life, people call her both names as well. They say Anne-Marie and Anne-Marie. That's, I don't know what, because people on the episode were calling her Anne-Marie and Anna-Marie. And Kyle, who's like seemingly the one introducing her because they're casual friends or new friends or whatever way she she pitched it, whatever, however she said it, I don't think Kyle knew. Because I felt like Kyle was changing her mind every time she said her name. So I am flummoxed by it. I really don't. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I say Anne-Marie. Well, we'll know. We'll. That's what I say. But I have an, a friend okay. who's friends with her who always says Anna Marie. Um, so I laughed when they did that on the show. But it next week she will get her full package, and so we'll hear what she says. Love and and so what? What if any conversations did you have with her when she was considering joining, after joining, while filming? Is there any? advice that you potentially offered her as both someone who has worked in the reality TV field and also just as a genuine Housewives fan? Or did you keep that kind of separate? No, I we got closer. Like, no, I knew she was filming because I was at the white. I was at the last I was at the final season finale. So (gasps) I yeah, (laughs) Uh, but like it's interesting because I was also at Garcelle's premiere party for Black Girl Missing, and I did not witness drama. So I didn't see conversations that were had on this. Like, I saw the women talking, but there was nothing explosive to where we were like, what's going on? And the same for the finale party. I didn't see anything explosive, but there still seemed to be drama at uh, black girl missing. There was tension. I didn't recognize it, so I find it. It was interesting to watch. So I didn't see any tension at the finale party, but I also got there late. So who knows? They were still filming, but who knows? Um, no, I did not give her advice how to be, but I definitely um, gave her advice after, like more so talking to her because, like, we talk a lot. Like I know a lot. Like. We talk. <laughs> so <laughs> so I 
I just like most of the things that have happened that happened during the season had already happened. Um, I just more so was like giving her advice on like how to be. She's already in the public because her husband of her husband, but now she's right. the one in the spotlight. So I was just kind of like giving her tips about that and how to handle it and being very realistic with her in the sense that you can feel like you're 100% right in your argument or whatever it is that you said, but that doesn't mean that the audience is going to have the same logic that you have. And what you can't do is try to go on social media or in interviews and over-explain yourself to try it. Like, those people don't know you. It will. There will always be a back and forth. You can't win everybody over. So it was more of like how to navigate life after than on the season. Because one thing you will learn about her is she is smart. She has strong opinions that, admittingly, I can tell you as her friend, we don't agree on. And mm-hmm. uh, but we're, but that doesn't change the fact of like somebody being a good person just because I don't like have the same stance as you do on certain issues. But um. She, like, is, when she is confident about something, she's confident. You're not going to tell her anything different. And so it wouldn't matter what I said to gave her advice on this season. She was going to do what she wanted to do. That is, I mean, that's the perspective that I think a person would want in a housewife. Like, not, it's not obliviousness. It's just, like, there is something to be said for standing strong in your take regardless of whether or not it's popular. with it. Yeah. Or, like, when, when it comes specific, not to, like, any other political conversation, but just, like, specific to the universe of housewives. Someone saying, I behaved in a certain way. I know I was right in the moment. You know, normalize changing your mind based on new information. Maybe her perspective will shift, but it's entirely possible it won't. And that's likely one of the reasons that she was hired. Yes, uh, she's very like, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Again, that's a check mark for a good housewife. (laughs) I just was like, don't come in too, too, like, first season, you kind of have to sit back and watch. You don't want to come in too heavy. So I did give that advice. Don't come in doing the most. Well, that's also the that's the tension of joining an existing cast that's like on such a popular franchise is like you want to be able to establish a voice because if you don't, the the last thing that people will remember shouldn't be, you know, on one of the last episodes. Like if you are coming in and you don't say anything, you're going to get lost in the shuffle and people are going to think that you're not a valuable part of the cast. But if you come in extremely strong, it might take people back also because it's a new energy. It's a new person who they don't necessarily have a lot invested in because we just don't know enough about them at that point. Right. Right. Absolutely. So it's I there's still so much more to come with this season. And I think that that's even more exciting. Because, like, even things that I've heard through the grapevine, I'm like, oh, man. Like, it's about, like, think about it. We're just getting a new housewife. We're on, like, what, episode five? And we're just getting a new housewife, so. I really think that Bravo is trying to destroy podcasters and content creators by having quite literally four franchises on at once. Like, in addition 
to Southern Charm in addition to VPR, which is back next month. Like, they're really, it's almost a sign of disrespect, I have to say. <gasps> I am no. exhausted. It's like, it's gonna, but it's it's invigorating. It's all really great right now. We're watching great television. We're watching great storytelling, but it's just like, it's so fucking much. It's a lot. It's, we are in our prime. And I wouldn't have it the other way. I mean, think about those dog days of summer. Think about those times when they're giving us like the few, it's like, you know, the days of the week. Like now I'm lost in the days because every day we're getting something. But those days and like doubled up on some days. But think about those days where you're like, is it Tuesday yet? Is it like, oh, no, not below deck again. You know, think about that. Like, think about <laughs> I would much rather have this. I would much rather be backed up on my shows. Like I am. I'm backed up on Miami. I'm backed up on Southern Charm. Because on our podcast, we only cover like we have to, there's so much. We have to split it in two. Mm. So we only cover Salt Lake City, Beverly Hills, and Potomac. So I'm behind. But guess what I'm doing when I'm getting off of this? I'm gonna take a bath and watch Southern Charm. I mean, first off, bless your heart in the words of Southern Charmers, because you are I don't actually think that's the right use of the phrase because I'm from New England. Bless your but, heart um, is, uh, is I, I'm, t I'm from Texas. So we say that all the okay, time. I think I fucked it up. OK, I don't know that I use that correctly, but um, just buckle. What I'm trying to say is buckle up because the newest Southern Charm is so delightful and so wild. It's so so good. They huh? go on vac on vacation. It's it's a wait. They're still there. Trip. They just got there. Wait in North Carolina. No, no, no. They went to Jamaica. What? Okay. I will yeah, be lighting a candle, dimming the lights, and drinking a glass of wine in the bathtub. This is all I needed to hear. Listen, I don't want to keep you, but before we wrap, I do just want to get your perspective because I'm going to be, I'm now dangling the carrot of Salt Lake City and Miami in the hopes that you will return to AG. But in the meantime, <laughs> Potomac is having sort of an interesting season. I'm yes. just curious for your reaction to that, your interactions with the cast. When you moderated the Potomac panel at BravoCon, and I do just have to note that we were recording this on Friday, so we have not seen the most recent Potomac. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a season. It's a season. Yeah, I delve into this a lot on our most recent episode of Morally Corrupt because I love Potomac. I'm a big fan, and it was such an honor to be able to do the panel. But of all the notes that I got, I had the most strict notes on Potomac because there really is a divide in that cast, and there's clear dislike. And if you attend at the panel, you know that there is and and you saw it on this episode there's no turning back it's it's become so personal wendy i mean robin and giselle don't like wendy but it's not rooted in anything and that's annoying to me but candace and giselle it's gotten personal you know it's what what can what uh, giselle did to candace was personal but the way Ca the way candace spoke to giselle at the reunion was also very personal and the shots were fired and they didn't miss. And like, they're still, they're not licking their wounds. Like they're dead to each other, like truly. And so you, you felt that tension. Like after the panel, I was, I went to some of them and I was like, listen, I did, I stopped asking you questions because I could feel that 
you know, like it was becoming a lot or sorry, I didn't get and ask you as many questions because I was trying to avoid this. Or the reason I said during the Q&A, I was like, hey, we're not going to talk about people's marriages because there was it was going to go down in a bad way. And so that knowing what I saw there, I knew that coming into because the next day we got the season premiere that this was going to be a rough season. And and we didn't the one thing we didn't know was NECA. And now you're adding NECA into the mix. Like when Mia is the least problematic, something is wrong. (laughs) Mia, like Mia is Switzerland. Almost. It's it's wild. And so like she's getting along with everybody. I mean, but NECA, like, I don't understand what her end goal is. She's clearly a fan coming on this show. But it's so disappointing. Um, and I'll try not to get too deep into this. But clearly the audience is not majority black that's watching Potomac. But it is a group of black women and their, and their life experiences. So what we don't typically see are the experiences of African women. And what I've loved about Wendy being on the show is that she has shown us her family, her heritage. She's a proud Nigerian, Igbo. And when NECA was coming on, I was like, wow, this is great. We're really expanding and seeing more of African culture. Because in the United States, we have such a terrible misconception of Africa. That's how we were taught. Even as Black Americans, we had a bad um, idea of what Africa was growing up. Like, that's kind of how it was taught taught to us and so i was like this is going to be a beautiful moment of sisterhood and i feel like wendy wendy was trying to do that even with the rumor that the way ashley spun it to her and said it in the wrong way and it could have potentially caused wendy to lose her mind she didn't and necas has just come in full force ready to fight and i just wish that she would have said to producers, I don't feel comfortable talking about this. This ought, this isn't the place to have a back and forth or a full dialogue on Ebo or Yoruba or Osu. And I, this is the first time they're seeing two African women on this set together. We sh- need to show harmony and unity and maybe have a one-on-one discussion about it rather than this fighting and then playing into stereotypes of shrines and voodoos and being a witch. It's like, you got to rise above that. NECA, you're, you are, you live in, you actually live in Potomac. You come from money. You're a lawyer. Your husband's a doctor. You're smarter than this. You're better than this. And you're doing whatever you're being told to do or whatever you think is going to make you popular. And you're losing this game. You're losing it heavily. And so, I don't know. I just, I'm disappointed. I don't see, I'm nervous for Potomac because I don't know how the cast that exists today can exist next season. And that's also been the beauty of Potomac, that they've had longstanding members there. And I don't see how, it's, how it can move forward. You're going to have to divide it. And, and I can't pick who should stay or who should go. Mm. I mean, I could pick a couple people. But... For the most part, for the most part, I like this cast, except for NECA. NECA can go. We did not need to add her to this at all. NECA can go. NECA is so problematic. 
Just one quick question, though, about NECA. When it comes to Dr. Wendy seeming to be someone who was like very open, welcoming, wanting to move forward, how does that connect with the calls being placed from members of her family? Because at one point, I think it's Candace who says, like, you're not responsible for your parents' actions which is all fine and good. And obviously, we've seen Candace's relationship with her mom, which I very, very, very much appreciate Candace's vulnerability and sharing a lot of that tension and toxicity. But when it comes to the Dr. Wendy mom part of the conversation, Justin seeming to possibly be a surrogate for your child, like to say the things that maybe Dr. Wendy feels she can't say or doesn't want to is there a little bit of gray there in NECA coming to the table and saying, you know, I'm pretty fucking pissed? Um, assuming that's true. So, like, I think that Wendy and I think anybody would be like, hey, I was at this event and like this girl was trying to say that we were Osu or, you know, because that's how Ashley said it to her. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, like I could totally see her going to her mom and her sister and saying that. And we know that they're that Wendy's sister and Neca's cousin are friends. So quite naturally, it's gonna there's gonna be a game of telephone here. And if Osu is and I don't this is my first time hearing about Osu, if it's it sounds bad, so naturally Wendy's family is gonna be upset at this accusation that's being spread, especially by a, fe- a fellow Igbo Nigerian. And so, yeah, I'm sure there there were conversations, but then I don't believe the shrine. I don't believe the witch. That was a rumor that existed when Wendy first came on. So that's what I mean about like NECA being a fan and researching that stuff. That had been said before. There's no proof of it. There's no like it hadn't been it wasn't on camera. But well, no, it was. It was something about like no, maybe it wasn't. But there was like a blog that said something about Eddie's family didn't want him to be with Wendy because of that kind of affiliation. And so I feel like NECA's bringing the, these rumors in on the show that didn't exist before. I don't know if I believe, I don't believe that. I'm going to I'm gonna believe Wendy when it comes to that, especially when we've seen her mom pray. So, and then when I also think of the Facebook situation, it didn't make sense. Like Nick kept saying like, oh, Eddie and my husband know each other because they went to Maryland. Maryland is a huge school. That does not mean that they know each other. And ASA, that organization, you can be re- in it and never go to meetings or you could go to one. There are hundreds of people in it doesn't mean that they knew each other. I don't even think they're the same age. And I believe Happy Eddie when he said he had no idea who he was. So like that story didn't add up. She's reaching. So it's like I and even and again, let's just say her mom did call yelling and upset. And we'll take out the shrine stuff. Pull Wendy to the side and say, hey, I know your mom was upset. I just want you to know, I think Ashley already told you I didn't say it in that way. But no, Nick, Nick is like, bitch, what you want to do? And I was like, Nekka, calm down. You're sweating and your lace front's coming up. It was. And I say this as a person who wears wigs. So no judgment. <sighs> Rachel. <laughs> it was. <laughs> There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Sorry, what were you going to say? I'm not a NECA fan. I don't like the energy she's bringing onto the show. I hope I change my mind. I want to. 
Well, I think it, you know, it's important to, for me as someone who's white, it's important to hear your perspective, especially when it comes to like the conversation in the Bravo community with an audience. As you said, I I don't know the viewership like breakdown, but when you look at BravoCon, for example, the demos there, there wasn't really a focus on diversity. So when it comes to having conversations about specific franchises, there's certainly a lack of depth and understanding that um, content creators, myself included, can have that can also come from a place of like genuinely not having the knowledge, let alone a cultural understanding of exactly why some of these jabs and some of these jokes are mm-hmm. inappropriate, mm-hmm. both between members of the cast potentially, but also the greater audience. So I think that is an incredibly important point, one of many that you made. It's important for me to like shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) silence can sometimes be golden, much like my hair when I remember to get it done. So I, I, I hear you there. And I also think it's one of many reasons why I love and appreciate and respect your voice because you have a strong, specific voice and you're not afraid to mention it all, honestly, in the words of Housewives. And in many other ways, I find myself like just in such appreciation. And I do want to say that I was listening slash, I mean, the fact that you do video, full video episodes is just, I, I it, it it's so not something I have ever done. So like kudos to you for that. But I was wa- listening to, but also quite literally watching some of your eps of higher learning. And I was honestly emotional watching. I was going to say watching, even though it's like, you can listen to it, guys. You can listen to it. But I was watching it, which I loved. Um, I have really found myself uh, incredibly emotional while watching because it your conversations were um, coming from such a place of empathy and nuance that I was like, these conversations don't exist on social media. There's no place for them. People are like mocked and sometimes penalized for discussing the fact that we're all at the end of the day, human people. And so this is my way of saying, do all things Rachel. But in addition to doing all things Rachel, listen to higher learning because I genuinely was emo in line at Whole Foods last night. I was texting a friend of mine. I was like, I'm fucking crying and I need to figure out where my Whole Foods scan code is so I can save zero dollars. <laughs> but because it was because it was so meaningful to me and especially there's an episode that you did, I think, October 18th, um, which was uh, incredibly valid and valuable and a lot of the episodes following as well, obviously. But I just wanted to say to you as a content creator, as a podcaster, as a Jew, as a fucking sassafras, like I just I, I really, really respect your voice and I am so thankful for it. And I'm thankful for the ways that you have passions in so many different areas because oh, I think ultimately they all connect. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I got to say, podcasting has become one of my favorite things to do. There's just so much like comfort and freedom in it. And I really feel like I always thought like TV, TV, that's what I need to do. But actually, the first thing I did media wise was radio. And there's that same just like, I don't know what 
feeling of being able to spread your your wings and feel like it's just you, but knowing that you're connecting to so many other people and they're listening. And sometimes you fuck up and forget and you're like, oh, wait. They like sometimes I get nervous when people are like, oh my gosh, I listen. And I'm like, oh God, what did I say one time? You know, you just, it makes you nervous. But I love it and I love connecting with people and I love creating a community. I think one of the scarier things of leaving Bachelor Nation and saying, I'm going to create this is will people care to hear me talk about anything other than the Bachelorette? That's how they met me. Um, I had a Bachelor podcast. And yes, they know that I'm, you know, strong-willed and I have an opinion, but do they care to hear it about other subjects? And I'm so pleased that, you know, they do. And like a lot of people who listen to my podcast are from Bachelor Nation and have stayed because of what Van and I are creating over there at Higher Learning and with The Ringer. So I'm grateful for that. And Morally Corrupt, you know, you guys can uh, get your fill over there too. The Not Morally Corrupt podcast, which is in fact named Morally oh. Corrupt, which I highly recommend that folks follow. And I do want to say that podcasting ultimately is a trust exercise. It's like, I'm going to fall. Are the listeners going to catch me? Are they going to respect and make space for my opinion and feel comfortable existing in tension if they disagree? It's not to say that my opinion matters in the sense of like always being right. right. It's to say that there's room and space for conversations, women's voices. Voices are important, especially in focusing on women-led uh, content. They're not given the same respect, energy, support, and time. Right. And they are important. And, you know, the ability to just be able to connect and speak to each other, it's not about agreeing. It's just about finding value in the conversation. That's ultimately at the forefront of Andy's girls. And it's one of many reasons why I'm appreciative that you're here today. Can you tell the AGs where to follow you on social, all that and more? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. <clears throat> I've had so much fun talking to you. Like, like you go high, high in your conversation and like, like uh, truly and like what you talk about and like the way that you see it and just the depth that you have. So like, I've, it's been such a pleasure to be on Andy's Girls. Um, you can find me at, I think that's the question you asked, at the Rach Lindsay on all social media platforms, T-H-E-R-A-C-H, Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. And um, you can catch new episodes of Higher Learning. They drop every Tuesday and Friday um, wherever you listen to podcasts and Morally Corrupt. New episodes drop every Friday. And if you want more, you know, you can get my books off Amazon or wherever they're sold. Oh, my God. With Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's and yeah. just honestly a... A Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Saturday. We don't need a holiday to buy ourselves some stuff. That's right. We know that we're going to value and treasure. Um, so make sure to get those. Guys, follow me on Instagram and allegedly threads at Dame Galley. <laughs> Two new hour plus episodes up on the Patreon. One, maybe the most honest and direct conversation that I've ever had about some of the behind the scenes workings of, of um, Andy's Girls and so much more with Lewis Peitzman and a dramatic telling of the most recent cut feature on Bethany Frankel, or as I call her, Bethany Ann Frankel, that dropped yesterday. I do a dramatic reading of the entire piece and then have, believe it or not, a couple takes on uh, what I read and shared. So you can find those episodes and support the podcast at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Rachel Lindsay, thank you again so much for joining. Thank so, you. so, so appreciate you. And you've been so generous with your time. Um, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening, and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>